Welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Preston M. Smith. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm Preston M. Smith, at PMS Artwork Everywhere on Internet Land and Socials. I want to thank you for landing on this podcast. Whether you're a professional artist, just getting started in the art world, a collector of art, or just consider yourself a creative person, this podcast has something for you. I like to think of it as a fun way to rant and talk to other creative people about living the life of an artist, surviving and getting ahead in the art world, and enjoying your life. But most importantly, not waiting until you're dead to make it happen. All right, let's get started. Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? I had that theme song stuck in my head today as I was roaming around the uh, the place, the studio. And I was like, why do I have the theme song from Cheers stuck in my head? And I was like, maybe it's because the subject matter is kind of relevant right now. It's like, did this person, I, I don't even know who wrote that theme song, but maybe they had their crystal ball and saw into the future because everything they're saying rings true right now during the virus, which will not be named time. But uh, yeah, so welcome back to the podcast. Today, I thought we would talk about because of the fatigue and this whole circumstance that keeps going on in the world right now with a virus, which will not be named it seems to be kind of not going away. It keeps seeming like it's going away and then it keeps rearing its ugly head and we just keep falling back into it, it seems like. And then with all the political BS that we're all putting up with, it's a little dark. So I thought today I would talk a little bit about escaping with some entertainment and escaping with some entertainment of the art variety, of the art varietals. Bring me your best bottle of art varietal. I wanted to talk about some stuff that has been really good for me in the past, uh, something that's been both inspirational, served as a little bit of escape, but really just kind of got the creative juices flowing for me. So I'm going to start with my absolute favorite. If you haven't seen this, I will give you a warning. It's pretty intense, but if you can get through the intensity of it and get through to the kind of the meat of the the performances of the subject matter of the kind of inspiration behind it. I think you'll find that it's very worthwhile. And that is Pollock. That is my favorite. That's actually one of my favorite movies, if not my favorite movie of all time still, not just because I'm a painter, but I love Ed Harris's performance in that. I think he studied painting for like 10 years to get ready. I think he studied painting to paint like Jackson Pollock uh, specifically for 10 years, just to get ready for that. Honestly, one of the best performances I've ever seen. You could watch that movie as a silent film and just watch what Ed Harris does with his eyes, how he communicates with his eyes as his character, the pain and the, almost like he can't help himself as his character. And it's just conveyed in his eyes. It's, it's amazing. It's a phenomenal acting job, but also some of the best painting you'll ever see on camera. That's not a documentary. Like this is an actor who learned how to paint and obviously is a very good painter now, but not only does he recreate a lot of Jackson Pollock paintings, 
filtered through the Ed Harris lens, but he creates art on camera and you watch the whole process. He'll actually finish a whole large painting and you'll see it being painted on camera and it's not boring. It's cut together very well, but it's not boring at all. It's really exciting and inspirational as a painter. So that gets you going. If you, if you don't want to just watch it for the performances, just watch it for the painting. It's amazing. Ed Harris directs the movie as well. And he kind of looks like Pollock. I've also read the biography that it's based off of, which is one of my favorite books of all time. And he did a great job synthesizing it down into a movie format because it's so dense. There's so much information going back to his ancestry, all of his people, all his family members. And it just would have probably made for a very boring movie, a great book, but a boring movie going into all that. So I think he just, he cut into, you know, the meat of it and really to keep the metaphor going, served it up on a perfect platter. And uh, there's nothing wasted in that film. It's amazing. I I love the scenes in the studio. You can almost feel and smell the paint. Uh, You can feel the struggle of him and Krasner kind of making their way, making their way in the world today. Ah, bringing it back full circle. No, but him and Krasner kind of making their way in New York and climbing the ladder and them and their experience with other artists and just kind of developing their craft. It's a really hard movie to take because Pollock was so volatile and, you know, kind of a notorious drunkard and really a lot of his trauma and demons came out when he would drink. But I think it's something that's relatable to a lot of people, a lot of artists, and everybody has trauma, right? I just think it's a beautifully shot film. It's so well acted. Everybody's great. Marcia Gay Harden, who played Lee Krasner, I think she won the Oscar for it. It also won another Oscar, which I can't remember if it was for cinematography or best adapted screenplay or or even best picture. I can't remember, but it was it was phenomenal. And I think the politics of it, they didn't give best actor to Ed Harris, which I was it put me off the Oscars for a while because I thought this was the best performance I'd seen in a long time. But anyway, give it a shot. You really get into it and you can almost like smell the air when they move to the springs and he's got his dog, Jip, and he's out there in the studio that they convert from an old barn in his backyard. It's just amazing. The fire, he gets going. You can, you can hear the crackling. You can feel the heat. You can feel the cold. It's so good. That one I could watch over and over again. I've probably seen it 20 times. And I used to watch that after a painting late at night. Or, you know, sometime I was looking for some inspiration. I would put that on and it never let me down at all. So that's my number one. Number two is Basquiat. This movie is just vibrant and alive and energetic. It it just captures that era, the 80s in New York City, graffiti movement, Basquiat being a big part of that. And such rich characters, so many great actors in it. I mean, Jeffrey Wright, I'd never seen him before, but he's one of my favorites now. And I'm sure you, everybody recognizes him, even if you don't know the name, but he just played Basquiat so well. Yeah, 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 man. Boom, boom, for for real. And then you've got like Benicio del Toro. You've got David Bowie as Andy Warhol. Such a good performance. Um, Claire Forlani, great as the girlfriend. This was directed by another very famous painter from the 80s who's become a very good director in his own right. Julian Schnabel, he did like The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. I think he did the recent one of Vincent Van Gogh. But 
he recreated a lot of Basquiat paintings. So he painted all those. He directed it. He, he knew Basquiat. He knew all these people from that era. So it gave him a real insight into what was going on. And uh, drawing from personal experience, I think he just did an amazing job. Got Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman plays the Julian Schnabel character. Dennis Hopper. Oh, yeah, you got Willem Dafoe in there as a little cameo. Christopher Walken as the uh, as an interviewer of Basquiat at one point. There's a, a great part that I love where young Basquiat's before he goes up and meets Warhol in a cafe, he's talking to Benicio Toro's character and he's like, hey, 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 Benny, man, what does it take to get famous? And he's like, as a musician, man, or as a painter? Whatever, man, fa- famous. And he basically goes on to tell him and break it down that he has to start hanging out with a bunch of famous people. He's got to start wearing flashy clothes. You got to start painting the same style over and over again, even when it becomes boring to you, which it will. But, you know, people are going to start demanding it. And he just like breaks it down step after step. And it's a very dark view of what it takes to become a famous artist. But it's kind of poignant at the same time. And I, I just always love that. I love so many of the scenes in there. It just has a wonderful, vibrant energy and, and captures the energy of New York at the time. And that's one that I, I could watch over and over again and have watched many times too. I basically would go back and forth between the two. And I mean, they're both dark because both of the characters are tragic figures and they end up dying young, but they both made a huge impact on the art world. I almost feel like you can watch them you can even watch the first half of them or the first 75% of them just to get that inspiration, you know, back when they're struggling, they're figuring it out for themselves and they first start to quote him getting airborne. Once they get to that point and they start really developing an audience and it gets exciting, it's a great thing for you to do. You don't even have to watch the whole movie almost, but if you got a strong stomach, watch the whole movie because it's really worthwhile. Just a little side note, one of the coolest full circle moments for me in my art career and my life actually was when I got to paint those 12 paintings for the Obama inauguration in 2008, 2009. And I got to distribute the paintings to celebrities who were attending the inaugural purple ball, purple ball. And one of those was Ed Harris. So I got to give him a painting and meet him. I got a picture with him and I actually went out back when I smoked, I went out for a cigarette break. I got to talk to his wife, Amy Madigan, who played uh, Peggy Guggenheim in the movie. A little known person in the art world you might have heard of, Peggy Guggenheim. And Amy Madigan was just as sweet as can be. And we talked for like 15 minutes and I told her what was going on, how they were getting a painting for me. And uh, it was just a really cool, full circle, surreal moment. And just amazing. One of the things that I will always remember, uh, just to be able to meet somebody who'd you know, made a movie like this, who provided so much inspiration to me and then to be able to give him one of my own paintings. Anyway, just thought that was cool to mention. That might be enough to stop right there. I mean, those are great movies packed with enough to, to keep you going, get your juices flowing. But I did want to talk about uh, a documentary that I like a lot and just go over a couple of things. Like there's some really great documentaries on art. Uh, just there's a couple on Ai Weiwei. Ai Weiwei. Ai Weiwei. And, uh, sorry, a little reference to an old stupid rap song. Tim's Vermeer is really good. There's a bunch on Banksy. I would say Exit Through the Gift Shop is probably the best one to see, in my opinion. And it kind of gives you a little window into the ridiculousness of the art world and how it can actually be manipulated, almost how stardom in the art world can be manipulated. So 
that's very smart and witty and true Banksy style. So those are good. I'm trying to think of some other ones that I really like. I mean, there's a few obviously that I haven't seen, but like, oh, the sketches of Frank Gehry's good. Oh, like my kid could paint that a little thing about a little kid who's, you know, it starts off as like this kid who's like a prodigy who does these abstract paintings. But then there's this buzz. She starts selling a lot and a big gallery takes her on. And then like, oh, my God, this little kid. I think she's like six or something. <laughs> and she's like, it basically makes people think, oh, well, maybe art is so subjective that anybody can do it. A six year old can do it. It makes you kind of question the validity of the art world. But then you start to get this other side that comes into play of, oh, maybe the father is actually painting these. Maybe he's like manipulating her, helping her out. So it, it takes on this sinister angle too, which is kind of interesting. I like that movie. It's um, not my favorite documentary, but the one that I wanted to talk about was the one of Marina Abramovich. The artist is present. That is a great documentary. I don't know a whole lot about her, but I think it was the first time that I'd actually really seen a bunch of her work. Like I was aware of her, but I didn't really know a lot of her work. But this was the first time I'd actually seen the power of what she does. And, you know, it goes into her and her old relationships with the person she used to work with. They do a lot of performance art, her and her partner. And then she ends up launching into her own solo career where she does and carries on a bunch of her own performance art. This movie has like one of the best ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it's like 96%, but it's great. I mean, it basically kind of chronicles and takes you along her preparation for a retrospective of hers at the Museum of Modern Art in New York, where it's called The Artist is Present. So it takes you inside of her mind and her process, preparing for it, and then it takes you into the actual execution of it in the Museum of Modern Art, where she arguably gave one of the best retrospectives or exhibitions, I would even say, in, in history. She basically had this whole concept of just sitting there. So I know that sounds ridiculous on the surface, but you really need to watch it to see what I'm talking about. She decided she was going to be, she, her performance art was going to be her being present across the table. Every single person who came into the Museum of Modern Art to see this retrospective could go up and sit across the table from her. And they had their own, I don't know, however long it took. I don't remember if there was a time limit, but they would sit there and they would lock eyes with her and she would just be present, almost like a like a Buddhist, you know. She would sit there and be present and give so much of herself that sometimes the people would laugh, smile. Sometimes the people would cry, like break down, weeping. Sometimes she would. And she, you could see her almost like taking on each person's pain or their joy or just feeling everything. It just looked exhausting. Not only was it a feat, just her sitting there every single day with no bathroom breaks. She basically never got up. She just sat there and there was these lines down the block coming into this so she had to be prepared to do this every single day i think it was for i don't know a couple of months i could be wrong about that but it was a long time just imagine doing that every single day for like 10 12 hours you know being able, coming in there sitting at a table and just taking on the emotions of the person sitting across you looking into their eyes each person one at a time for that many months it's a really grueling process and, and they kind of get you, you know, right into the seat with her and you feel it. I remember thinking about when I heard about it, I was like, ah, okay, yeah, great. She's sitting there. No big deal. But believe me, take my word for it. If you get a chance to watch this, you'll see the power of it. 
And, you know, there's celebrities there. I think there's a part where James Franco comes up and <laughs> kind of funny part where they're like, he's like oh, uh, hey, uh, what do you do? And he's like, oh, I'm an actor. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, anything we might have seen you in? And <laughs> it's like James Franco. And he was just kind of becoming a little famous at the time. It's really great. And then her talking about her past, a lot of the footage of some of her older stuff and working with her ex-partner. I wish I could remember this guy's name. I think it's like Ule or something. And then their whole love affair it's it's just really interesting. It gives you a really nice window, not only into the retrospective itself, but into the life of an artist and, you know, being a full-time artist and what that means and how serious she takes it, how seriously, I should say, she takes it. So that's a great one. So hopefully that's given you some ideas. I know right now we're still processing what's going on in the world. And I know it can be a little claustrophobic, even for us artists. One of the best things to jolt you out of that, get you out of your own head and keep the inspiration coming is, you know, watching things that feed you in that way. And I think the three of these that I mentioned and some of the honorable mentions with the other documentaries, I think those will definitely get you inspired and provoke some new ideas for you to get back in the studio and do some good work, crank out some good work. So hopefully this has been interesting or I know it's a departure from some of the other stuff I've been doing, but I just thought it would be an interesting thing to uh, talk about because, you know, we all need to be replenished. And I know I do. I know I've had moments where I'm just like, ah, another day of being under siege with all the stuff that's going on and trying to keep feeding and replenishing the well. We all need some help. And these are some good ways to do it. So hope everybody's doing all right out there and look forward to hearing back from you and getting some comments from people on the interwebs. Take care of yourselves. Be good to each other. See you next time. This has been the Living Artist Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I just want you to know that I appreciate you being here, and I'm grateful to be in your ears. Your art and creative life on this planet is meaningful, so thank you for sharing it with me. If you like this podcast, whatever platform you're listening to it on, please subscribe and share it with your friends. You can also leave me a positive review to show your support. This helps me to reach more people with the algorithmic magic and keep the show going strong. If you want to see more of what I do and check out the art that I create, you can visit my website at www.pmsartwork.com or follow me on social media everywhere at PMS Artwork. That's it for now. See you back here next time.